your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering the Houston Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And John, before I give you the mic, you realize I just said, the Houston Texans, not your favorite football team, the Houston Texans. You realize <laughs> I said that, correct? I caught it. I caught it. I caught it. And, uh, yeah, I'm John Sims, Sports Guy Hickman. And before we get into the Houston Texans, I want to let you guys know that you can help your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless Visa help to support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. Today is Monday and we are going to dive into the Houston Texans' fourth loss of the season. It's only been four games. They have lost all four, 32-24 to the Minnesota Vikings. And you guys can check out this recap show along with all of our lockdown shows on all of your major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. Before we get into the recap, I just want to kind of go over some pregame notes that I had going into yesterday's game. The Vikings ranked 27th in the league on third down conversions. All three of the head coaches for the Texans franchise was in the building. Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, who uh, they represent the Minnesota Vikings, and Bill Fire Me O'Brien. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, going into yesterday's wow. game, the Texans are spending – $255 million on their roster this season. But yet they are 0-4. And so that means if the season started today, they will be in a fight for the first round pick, a very high pick. However, that pick would go to the Dolphins because the Dolphins own their first and second round picks for next year. And they came out of yesterday's game 0-4, like I mentioned. The Texans also allowed 250 rushing yards in the fourth quarter going into yesterday's game. Before the game yesterday, Bill O'Brien announced that Tim Kelly will be sort of relieved of his play calling responsibilities. And nothing changed. And Cody, before we actually get into the game, for me, I felt like that was unfair to Kelly because that used him as a scapegoat. And it was just a complete and pure waste of time. Uh, but in yesterday's game, Deshaun Washington threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, which was almost three in a potentially game-tying situation had it not been overturned, uh, Will full of touchdowns. Had it not been overturned, Will full of touchdown. I thought that was a catch. Uh, however, they said he lost some of that position. I'm very confused on that. I thought I watched that replay several times. But that's how uh, the cookie crumbles when you start the game off so damn slow. I'm sorry. Let me get back to some of those game notes. 
Will Fuller had six catches yesterday for 108 yards and a touchdown. Watson was also sacked three times. The Texans allowed 162 yards on the ground, 130 of which belonged to Dalvin Cook. Another trend for Houston that continues is just losing the time of possession. The Texans lost that battle, uh, allowing 36 to 24 in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. Also, Texans tight end Jordan Aikens had to leave the game yesterday due to a concussion, which was followed by Harrison Smith getting ejected from that game, uh, leading with his helmet, looked like a target, and that's how he got out of yesterday's game. And you know what, Cody? Oh, by the way, earlier in the week, I challenged, remember this? I challenged Whitney Merciless to show up in yesterday's game. He was able to get two sacks, along with P.J. Hall registering his first sack as well. So those two guys stood out to me. Uh, yesterday really gave everything they could defensively, but it just did not help. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to talk about what happened, what we saw on offense, what we saw on defense, and give a full recap of what happened yesterday. But, Cody, can I just say something really quick? And I'm going to give you the floor because I want the listeners to hear what you got to say. But this team is led by a coach who wants to prove he is the man instead of being the man. And it's also led by an owner who wants to fill his daddy's shoes, but he has them on the wrong feet. No idea what's going on in this organization. The entire offseason, we were fed a lot of optimism. Remember that, Cody? Well, we mm-hmm. feel like he's a guy that can come in. He's a utility player. He's, he's a guy that comes in and he practices hard. And I look at this team. And, and I look at Tim Kelly, and I, and I see that he's, he's been a scapegoat. And, and I look at the defensive side of the ball, and, and I see Anthony Weaver is trying his best. And like to his credit, we've seen this defense ultimately get a little bit better throughout the weeks in the passing game when we look at what the front, uh, front seven has been able to do. Right, we've seen guys get some sacks here, get some second cause pressure, uh, and and PJ Hall has been, you know, as bad as this run defense has been, which I can't wait to talk about. PJ Hall has been so good for the Houston Texans, but let's call it what it is: this secondary lacks talent. This team is completely dysfunctional, and the head coach slash GM is delusional, and the owner, Cal McNair. Is also delusional. So much so, I don't even think he cares about the product that's being put out on that field that 13,000 fans pay good money to go see. And I know they should be calling their credit cards and, 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 and disputing that charge. But the, the product that's being put out on the field, and we can feel however we want to feel about uh, Bob McNair, but I do remember I can't remember the, the season, but I remember when the Texans opened up their, their season very bad. And Bob McNair went to that sideline, and you saw his face, and he was pissed off. He was pissed off. And the Texans proceeded to make a change. I don't see that happening from Cal. He has to see what's going on on the, on the field. He has to see this product. He has to see how embarrassing it has been. And quite frankly, he has to understand – This is largely due to his own fault. You have a seemingly 
generational quarterback, but yet it still doesn't seem like we're going to get a generational product. He traded away DeAndre Hopkins because he didn't want to pay him. All right, cool. David Johnson has been useless for the Houston Texans. That optimism that was there is no more. Brandon Cooks was useless yesterday. This offense has been useless. And we fed into the optimism that they, you know, fed in our face. We have guys that come in and work and do this and they bust their tails. And there's no talent across the board, at least. You're 0-4, the Tennessee Titans are 3-0. You play the team in the Minnesota Vikings who could not even practice throughout the week. And Kirk Cousins had his best game, arguably, this year. Cody, you have the floor. It sucks. It sucks. It's bad. Like J.J. Watt said in the press conference, it's terrible. It's, it's to the point that it's depressing. And, uh, and first of all, with the whole play calling foolishness, I'm calling it foolishness because that's what it is now. The play calling nonsense is foolishness because prior to the game, we all got the, we all got the message saying that Bill O'Brien is going to, from here on out, he's going to be the one calling all the plays on the sideline. But yet in the press conference, he claimed that there was no change between the play callings. It was still it was still Tim Kelly, but the only difference was that he was communicating it to Deshaun Watson rather than Tim Kelly communicating it to Watson himself. So I, I don't understand what's going on there, John. John, I think at the end of the day, that is just the speculation that you and I have. Like, you know, maybe Tim Kelly is possibly just a name thrown out there, but yet Bill O'Brien is still on the sideline calling all the plays because I didn't see a difference. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was because what he said in a press conference, I said to myself, well, if that was the case, then why was that news? Why was that such a big deal? We're going to talk about the defense a little bit later, but John, you said, David Johnson has been useless so far. I don't want to call call him useless as of yet. But going back to what I said last week, in order for this team to be successful, in order for this team to be at least somewhat competitive, they're going to have to use less of the running game as less as possible. I get it. You cannot go out there and let's say you have a game where you have 72 plays and 62 out of those 72 plays are passing plays. I get it. You don't want to be that predictable. But, John, they got to do something with this run game. Either they got to go out to the market and find another running back or give Duke Johnson a little bit more touches because Duke in the second half was the only one who was – who was gaining a couple positive yards, they have to do something or just totally scratch the run game because it's not doing anything. In the first half, matter of fact, let me start with that terrible, awful first quarter. This, this offense is just terrible. In the first quarter alone, they had the ball three times. They had three possessions. Two out of those three possessions ended in three and outs, and they only recorded one first down in the whole entire first quarter. That is terrible. And when you look at the first half in its totality, it's the definition of what they're trying to be. They're trying to be this balanced offense, but it's not working. Because when you break this down, in the first half, they had 11 attempts on the ground. Out of those 11 attempts, they only recorded 40 yards. 
In the passing game, they had 15, and it recorded 72 yards. And in its totality, in the first half, they had recorded 112 yards. That is the main reason why they looked so bad, because they kept relying on that running game. In the second half, when they started to get some momentum going, when they started looking like a team, okay, I could see the talent. I could see the potential. Their passing plays heavily outweighed their running plays. In the second half, they had 12 running plays. In the passing game, they passed the ball 20 times. It ended up with 218 yards. This is the second game in a row. The Texans that showed up for the first half against the Pittsburgh Steelers is the Texans team that we saw in the second half of yesterday's loss against the Vikings. They need to just stick to the passing game. I don't understand. You see the running game is not working. Why keep calling David Johnson's number? I I don't understand. Can I mention something? Last week, David Johnson ran for 10 yards on eight first down carries. Now, on those eight first down carries, those 10 yards all, you know, equal to a first down. But we know that none of those carries equaled a first down uh, by themselves, right? Deshaun Watson had a quote. He was asked about the offense between Bill O'Brien and Tim Kelly, and he said it was the same to me. I didn't see a difference. The issue I have been having the entire offseason, Cody, and you can attest to this, I've been tweeted to this, and the whole nine is we do not know the difference between a Tim Kelly and Bill O'Brien office. And that was one of the things I was optimistic of seeing this year, right? But here's the thing. There is no difference. Tim Kelly called plays from what we know, and, and this is just a dumpster fire from Bill O'Brien using him as a scapegoat. Uh, and, and, and trying to make it seem like he was going to make a difference. Your own quarterback said it was no difference. But when Tim Kelly had it, David Johnson, 10 yards on eight first down carries. Yesterday, and Watson is absolutely right. Yesterday, I counted in the first half roughly five first down running plays, none of which led to a first down and practically nothing significant. And in the second half, I counted seven first down running plays, and of which a few of those runs happened in the fourth quarter while the team was still down, by the way. This, this, this offense that has been, I, I, I don't know, I don't want to call it a cloak, uh, maybe dressed up for the last, let's say, since Gary Kubiak. Let's take it. He was there at the game yesterday. He was on the sideline. Him, Dom Capers, and Bill O'Brien all took pictures together. Has been very predictable. And there has not been a consistent difference in the last decade or so. And when I watched yesterday's game, and and I'm looking at this team who was down eight, In a very winnable game, in the fourth quarter, the Texans are third and four. I asked myself a couple of things. Why haven't we seen a playbook expanded enough to where you are, if you're third and four, you're down eight, why wasn't there a quick three-step passing play drawn up? Why are we still wondering why this team is continuously losing the situational game battle. 
Why was this team running the ball with two minutes and 45 seconds left in the game with no timeouts down eight? It's disgusting, but I'll tell you why. It's because the players are not necessarily limited. They're handcuffed because their coach is limited. There's been this rumor about a quarterback whisperer uh, offensive for years. And I'll tell you something. We need to stop labeling guys to these, giving these guys these names, these labels, just because of who they had around them when they stepped into a situation. Just because you step into a situation and the boat continues to float doesn't mean you were the, the right captain for it. You stepped into a situation with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They could have put anybody there. They could have put me there. Would I have been labeled as this offensive guru, quarterback whisperer? Maybe. I, I oh, think oh so. because you called out Tom Brady on a, on, a, on a sideline once? That makes you fiery? No. I've given this guy the benefit of the doubt. But after watching you call a play down eight, running the ball with two minutes and 45 seconds left in the game with no timeouts, and on third and four, when you needed to get this third down, this first down, you couldn't call an adequate play to, to keep the chains moving fast. This play calling is incompetent. And who's calling the plays is incompetent. At one point, are we going to say he doesn't know situational? He doesn't know, he, he does not know what to do in certain situations. And, and overall, you know what I see? Like I mentioned, he, he's a guy that wants to be, he wants to prove he's a guy, but he's not the guy. And it's really disgusting how Tim Kelly was made to be the scapegoat. But J.J. Watt put it, whatever we're doing isn't working. A little bit more on the other, of the aggressive side for J.J. Shot at his head coach and his coaching staff. Between arguing with your, your best friends in the group chat about what the Texans does and does not do, waiting to get Bill O'Brien fired, between the never-ending laundry cycles, incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese? Hey, Cody, I want, I want a turkey burger. You may want some wings. Somebody in the group is craving pizza. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. And there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you your food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app and select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's $5 off your order and $0 delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. Don't forget that's code Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And I also want to let you guys know about Roman. 
talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it all together with excuses like, I've had a long day at work. Or, Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with a free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash XXX and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If you get approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL GetRoman.com slash locked on NFL. John, you mentioned that the Texans need improvements, and I do agree with you. But to be honest with you, the improvements that they need is just better talent, plain and simple. And at this point, I don't think the Houston Texans are going to be, I don't think the Texans are going to go out and make any changes to their roster. And, you know, looking at on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit disappointed in their front seven. I was a little bit disappointed in their run defense because they gave up a total of 162 yards and a buck 30 of those yards came from Delvin Cook off of 27 carries. Now, I will say it is a little bit hard to critique the Texans run defense because you're looking at it from a standpoint of majority of Delvin Cook's yardage came in the first half. Why? Because the offense was not on the field that much in the first half. And everyone knows going into this game, Minnesota already knew that they was going to run the ball down the Houston Texans' throat. However, this loss, I'm putting this loss on the Texans' secondary as a whole. There's no way in hell you should have allowed two receivers on Minnesota. Receivers, by the way, look, no disrespect to Thielen and, of course, Jefferson. He's a rookie. No disrespect to those guys. There's no way in hell you should let them come on your field and record and record a combined 217 yards. And this is the worst part about it. They did that off of 12 receptions. Jefferson had four. Thielen had eight. There's no way in hell that should have happened. The secondary was atrocious doing the game on yesterday and what makes me even more mad john you mentioned the improvements i mentioned the only way that that they can get these improvements is if they go out and sign better talent you had an opportunity to go out and get a quality very good defensive back but yet in the middle of a game somebody dropped a bombshell that it was the houston texans players that did not want to sign earl thomas look at what you have on the field I can't wait to talk about that. Look at what you had on the field. The secondary was by far, to me, outside the run game, of course, but the secondary was atrocious. They gave up so many big plays, and it should not be like that. You let two receivers record over 100 receiving yards, and the fact is neither one of those guys recorded over 10 receptions. When we look at this Texas defense, I mean, it is what it is. It's a high dumpster fire. When I watched that game yesterday, I was looking for one improvement, and that was tackling. They tackle too high. The attempts for tackling is way too high. 
the Texans and their pad level when it comes to tackling and breaking down is so high at times and it causes bad breakdowns. It causes arm tackling and it causes more missed tackles and missed tackles has been a, a theme for them through the first four weeks. And it's not getting any better. Uh, they cannot cover. They desperately miss Gary on Conley. And let me tell you why there was a sequence that this defense had an opportunity to change the game. P.J. Hall gets his first sack of the year, right? And he's been a bright spot for the Texans, for the defensive front. Uh, then the Texans allowed, after his sack, the Texans went on to allow a big third and 10 conversion to Justin Jefferson. Then Kirk Cousins hits Kyle Rudolph on a pass that was in the area for the team to make a play on it. And this team has yet to record a turnover. And then you get the Thielen TD. This team has no turnovers through four weeks. This team is continuously being plagued by missed tackles because their pad level is too high. They're not breaking down right. They're, they're, they're just letting guys run through them. And then, oh, my gosh, did Davin Cook stiff on the hell out of Vernon Hargraves? And it just seems like there's no sense of urgency throughout the entire game. The best part of this defense is for sure their front four. J.J. Watt, who yesterday allowed a very big run because he cheated inside instead of playing his gap. Superstars can get away with that at times, but as good as he's been this year, if we can be honest, if this was a healthy J.J. Watt a few years ago, oh, he would have made that play, which is where Dalvin Cook ran right up. I think he ran off for nine yards, and the Texans really needed to stop. He, he cheated inside and tried to come back out, and it just didn't work out. I think if this was one of those defensive MVP years, J.J. Watt, oh, that play would have been made. But he's not there anymore, and he's still having a good year. But those type of things, right, the discipline of playing your gap, especially when you're in a game that you are still fighting back to win, you know, that's an issue. Um, and, and we knew that going into this game, Dalvin Cook was going to have a day, 130 yards on the ground. Uh, he had 100 yards by the end of the third quarter, I, I believe. Uh, really ripped the Texans a new one, but – uh, these are some of the things that we have to look at. It's a lot of this discipline. They're not doing a good job with their pad level. Like I mentioned, the front four for the defense has been the only bright spot. Wendy Merciless ran off two sacks today. P.J. Hall has been a very good bright spot for this team. Charles Omanet, who has been a bright spot for this defensive front. J.J. Watt playing like how he has been playing despite, you know, missing out on plays because of the, the, the cheating in and out that he has done. But he's done it traditionally throughout his entire career. And as great as J.J. Watt has been, he could have been better if some of those plays were, you know, when he played more discipline in. So, um, but outside of the front four and Zach Cunningham, who's also struggling and he leads the team in tackles, but he's also kind of struggling with missing tackles and playing too high. This team has had the same issue from the chiefs all the way up into the Vikings. And ultimately when I look at this team, this was the game that I had circled that they had to win. I just knew they were going to win this game. And I thought the defense was going to step up on all three phases and I knew they were going to have a difficult time with Dalvin Cook. Who does not have a difficult time with Dalvin Cook? He averages right now 100 yards per game. He's that good. But, you know, again, we have to really analyze at this point what's the issue. 
right? Because the defense gave the opportunities to the offense throughout the entire game, whether they were getting gashed in the running game. I mean, we look at the game early on, the score could have been a lot worse than 17-6, but the defense really did the best job that they could. And so the best defense a lot of times, well, no, not a lot of times, but in the Texans case could have been having a sustainable offense. They could not get that. So when the defense were winning and giving the ball back to Houston and Deshaun Watson, they just weren't doing anything with it. And after a while, when you are being, uh, when the ball is in the opponent's hands, 36 minutes compared to 24, your defense is going to be tired. They're going to be gassed. They did almost everything they could, but again, they're just out there way too much. And this isn't, and this just isn't, you know, an indictment for this game. This is the indictment for the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers, and this game. They are out there too. The problem with that is not only are this team trying to find themselves collectively, but with no offseason, these guys are still trying to learn how to play with one another. And it's been killing them. It's been killing them. And the biggest, here is a red sign problem, is through four weeks, you are still the only team in the no fun league, I'm sorry, the National Football League without a turnover. I told you guys about Bill Bar, how great Bill Bar is, but also left out some very important details that you need to know. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which includes my favorite, the caramel brownie, along with the cookies and cream. My grandmother loves that one. They still have the 12 original flavors, the raspberry, the German chocolate, along with the peanut butter. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, and easy to chew. And this is for the healthy, conscious guy like myself who wants to lose weight but doesn't want to give up a lot of the sweets, right? You can lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. And here's another thing Bill Bar is doing for their customers right now. You get a free cooler with the purchase while supplies last, which is only for a few weeks or so. So, so go ahead and hop on that right now. Go to BillBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. Hey, Will, what changed for you guys offensively in the second half, and what do you think y'all can do to become more consistent on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, uh, I feel like we're still trying to figure that out. Um, when it's working, it's working, and when it's not, it's not. I, I just feel like we got we got to practice better during the week and just make and just make sure we're executing and, and, and being consistent in practice, and then that that'll lead over to the game. John, looking at where the Houston Texans are right now, they're zero and four for the first time since two thousand eight. You can tell the look on the players, Bill O'Brien, the coaching staff, everyone is frustrated. Where and what can the Texans do to salvage their season? I don't think they're, uh, this team isn't going to the playoffs. Like, what can you do? And to be honest with you, to make matters even worse, you don't hold your first and your second round draft picks. So where the where does that leave the future of this team? I'm starting to get really concerned and. 
to be honest with you, John, as a reporter, as a fan, it really kind of breaks my heart thinking back to how bright the future looked two years ago. Hell, how bright the future looked just last year. Looking at the talent they had, and now you just, like, the players don't even look like they want to be out there. Where do you go from here? Like I said, even if you bring in a new coaching staff and you bring in a new GM, is next year going to be a loss too? I, I just don't see you're paying this this roster that you have right now. You're paying, I believe, the number is two hundred and twenty-five million. Where in the hell can this team go? I don't think this season is salvageable. Uh, I, I don't think nothing this team will do will get rid of the stench that we are smelling right now. And and that's just me being completely honest. The stench stems from this. It stems from Bill O'Brien dissecting this team and the talent that it had, right? It it stems from creating bad bonds between players and yourself. And it really stems from The stench also stems from he's just not good at what he he wants to do. He's not. And uh, a couple days ago, I I wondered, will this be a red shirt year after you pay all of this money, which is something you cannot afford because, you know, going into next year, you don't hold your first or second round pick. And the question started to float around on Twitter, especially after his press conference. Should the Texans go ahead and trade J.J.? I was on that bandwagon if J.J. was not playing well. J.J.'s playing well. J.J. looks good. He looks healthy. He looks like he's ready to go out there and win some games. However, he knows he's getting up in age, and he knows this team has talent. There's no way Brandon Cook should have ended that game with zero catches off three targets. There's no way. We're paying Randall Cobb. $18 $18 million guaranteed, 27 overall. And I think he only had three catches. The whole point of bringing in Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks, keeping Kenny Steals, right? The whole point of this was to be a balanced offense. That way, everybody collectively would be able to make up for the loss of DeAndre Hopkins. It's not happening. It's not happening. They're starting off way too sluggish, way too slow in some games, and then they're ending it fast or vice versa. That speaks no identity to me. There's no identity for me. And it it showed clearly in yesterday's game when you are down eight with two minutes and 45 seconds left to go, and you decide to run the ball. And even to make matters worse, In the first half, I'm going to break down the first half. The Vikings had 35 plays compared to the Texans' 28. They averaged 5.5 yards per play compared to the Texans' four. They held the ball. The time of possession for the Vikings was 20 minutes in the first half compared to the Texans' 10. They had 84 rushing yards compared to to the Texans' 40. This was a problem not because Houston couldn't stop Dalvin Cook. That was expected. But it was a problem because they kept trying to run the ball into a dead end. 
I call that insanity last week. You are doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. And why was that a problem? Because they had a total of 112 yards in the first half. They could not sustain a drive. And a lot of times they were compromising their defense because they were out there too much. And they had a lifeless offense. And here's why it was a bigger problem. In the first possession of the second half, they went out there and got 73 yards along with a score because they switched it up. And then they went right back to it. And if the Fox announcer called it and said another handoff that goes nowhere, something Texans fans don't want to see, then you know, it's not just the media. It's not just the fans. It's everybody. It's not just the Houston media. It's everybody. It's the national media. And if they can see it, so can the players. So that's why I don't think this season is salvageable. I think they have to run with what they have. Uh, when you look at their schedule, there, there are some games in there that we can consider winnable. I thought this was a winnable game. But they, they, they still have games where they can go out and win. But it really doesn't matter because at this point, unless they run off 12 or 11 or 10 in a row and make a push for the playoffs, they still won't be the best team in the playoffs. And then I still think they get a first-round exit. But it's not salvageable because no matter what you do, if you don't make the playoffs, no matter what you do, you will not get your first-round pick in order to improve this team unless you make a drastic trade. And there's nobody on your roster that you're going to trade to get a first-round pick for. They're going to have to bite this bullet. And next year, there's only one man that can make a change. That's Cal McNair, Willie, we don't know. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at some sports guy, along with following us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and liking us on Facebook. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C O T Y D A V I S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.